Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today's one of those special shows where you really get to see the impact that travel can have on you as an individual. This is part of our Transition to Travel series, and in these shows, I do two separate interviews over a period of months or sometimes over a year. In this case, I talked to my friend Lance, who took a leave of absence from a job he's been working for a long time to take a long trip. He's been married 25 years. This is something he's always wanted to do. So we talked to him just three weeks into his trip, and then you'll do a little time traveling, and we'll skip ahead, and you'll hear the interview I did with him after his trip eight months later when he was home for about a month. What happened? Did he end up going back to his job? Was he able to just reintegrate back into a quote-unquote normal life? We're going to talk about the whole process leading up to the trip. He'll give some advice on how he worked that out with his spouse. He's been married for 25 years and he ended up doing this trip on his own. He wanted to do it on his own. So you can hear how All that played out here, share some advice on solo travel, how not to get so lonely when you're out there on your own, how travel may or may not change your relationships. You'll hear his thoughts and so much more. This took many months to put together. It's all in today's interview segment. I know you're going to love it. Special transition to travel episode coming your way now, so buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and... Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And yes, I am pumped up. You can probably hear that in my voice because these episodes are such a labor of love. It takes many months to record these transition to travel episodes, but really gives you a wonderful snapshot of how powerful and impactful travel can be in somebody's life. In this case, you're going to hear Lance's story. But of course, as it goes with these interviews, you can always kind of pull out some things that you can use for yourself. 
get some new perspectives and get inspired because uh, we all know travel is a big deal. We all love it. But these episodes are good reminders just to see how much just the simple act of travel and getting out there can impact your life and maybe even lead to um, insights that give you ideas for new ways that you can impact the lives of others and serve others. And uh, so it goes around and around and around. That's life. I don't know. Is, am I getting too mystical? I might be going on a little mystical tip. Anyway, so just be prepared. This is a snapshot interview. You're going to hear the first part. I recorded with him just three weeks into his trip, and then we'll skip ahead and you'll hear how everything went eight months later, a month after he is home. So it's really cool. And stick around for the end after the interview. In that segment, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in this community, as I love to do. And also, I've got a little something to share that I personally took away from this interview, something that Lance uh, inspired me to think about. And this is a really kind of empowering idea. It's not really travel related, but you can have that same sort of sense of adventure by kind of embracing this simple concept. So I'll share that after the interview. Now let's get into this interview and I will see you on the other side, my friend. There he is. Hello. Hello. There we go. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Good. How about you? I'm good. What's going on? Not much. Just uh, hanging out in Albania, uh, enjoying the the summer, the good weather. Yeah. How long have you been there? Uh, three weeks. Yesterday. Okay. And is this the first destination? Yes. Yep. First stop. So first stop, been... Albania. First stop, Albania. Not something you hear very often in a sentence, right? <laughs> That's unique, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, we're recording because I figured, what the hell? I don't want to miss any of this, uh, any of this at all. So, great. Um, can I start asking you questions or what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, whatever, whatever you want to do, I'm a, I'm down for. I'm easy. Well, first of all, I'm with Lance right here. He's um, well. I I'll let you kind of fill people in a little bit and you want to give everybody your uh your kind of your destinations on where they can find you if you want to give out your website and all that stuff and then we're going to talk about your little transition to albania here (laughs) yeah that sounds great oh like you said i'm lance um i have just started seven months of travel so i'm about three weeks in um to this seven month journey um i have wanted to travel like this for years and finally just decided it was time. So, so I'm on the road. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, um, at the midlife crisis traveler Facebook page, or that's also the blog, the midlife crisis traveler.com. I love that. And, um, we hooked up through, you're a member of our community location, Indy, and you started kind of yet talking about your upcoming trip and all the things that you were doing to prepare for it. And like you said, you know, this is something you've been gearing up to do for a while. So I was like, hey, we got to jump on a call and get get the lowdown here on the preparation and everything, because this is really fresh for you, right? Like you mentioned kind of wanting to do this for years. I mean, what do you mean by that? Had you done a lot of travel like this before? Like, had you done it before and then gotten to a career or how did a, is this like a first time to doing for doing any type of trip like this? 
Yeah, definitely the first time for a trip like this of this kind of length. I've I've definitely traveled some a little bit internationally, not a ton, um, but have have done some. But this is really, you know, I got involved with the location indie community, wondering if this was something that that I would be interested in. And what I quickly figured out was really before I, I think as much about the location indie, what I wanted to do was travel and not worry about the online business and not worry about some of those other pieces, but just travel. And so I, I made that commitment to do it and um, decided Albania sounded like a great place to start. Cause you know, why did you decide Albania was a great place to start? <laughs> I had a good friend, Malia who did the peace Corps here and she told me about it. It's a beautiful country. I mean, it's, it's just astoundingly beautiful, but it, until the early nineties, their borders were basically totally closed. And so I wanted to go somewhere that was beautiful, that had natural beauty and was interesting, um, but also was a little less expensive. And this, I mean, this was a perfect fit for somewhere outside of Asia that kind of fit those bills to be in Europe for the, the cost here is pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. So the genesis for the trip, like you said, you've been thinking about doing this kind of travel for years, but just fill everybody in on what you do for a living. And I want to hear how this sort of came to pass in reality. Yeah. So I'm the director of campus activities at Colorado State University. Um, I'm, you know, in the the kind of location in the community, I often think I'm a little bit unique in that, like, I love my job. I have a great job. I work with students. We do, um, the, the focus is really on student development and helping students grow and, and get educated outside the classroom. That's the work I do. Um, but great students. I have a good time. We do concerts and comedy and lectures, you know, so it's it's fun stuff. And I work with a great group of people. Um, but I've been in this position for 12 years this summer and was just feeling kind of that point of burned out and like I didn't have the energy I wanted or that I felt like my students really deserved from me. Um, and so it just really was trying to think of something else. That's when I started looking into location indie and started getting into travel hacking and trying to understand how people travel like this. Um, and so, gosh, I don't know, last fall, I don't even remember for sure when it was, I went to my boss to say, look, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to travel. And to be honest, I went into the meeting prepared to resign. Cause I thought he would have to say, you're out of your mind. There's no way we can make that work. Um, but he didn't. He said, yeah, let's make it work. I think I really benefited from, coincidentally, it had nothing to do with me. Um, Colorado State University recently took on the administrative portion for semester at sea. And so we've, we've had a lot of faculty and staff be gone for a semester. And I think it changed everybody's paradigm of like, oh, wait, this is, this is a possibility. And, and so I think I've been, I don't, you know, I, I can't say that for sure, but yeah, my boss was like, Hey, let's make it work. Let's, let's figure out what it takes and what that looks like. And so I have a great assistant director in my office who's stepping into the interim director role and all the folks around me have committed to make it work. So I have a ton of gratitude. I'm very lucky for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think there's a big lesson in there in terms of asking, right? Like just being honest and and asking right i mean you were you were prepared to resign like you said to just get it out there you know when you go that far i mean you never know if they're going to accommodate or not and everybody might say well 
yeah, my situation, they definitely wouldn't. Maybe that's true, but there are probably some people out there that think that and they would accommodate. And I know I've had that experience myself where I really wanted to work as an adventure travel tour guide one summer and I was on uh, this contract job and I'm like, they're not going to let me leave. But I was just honest with my feelings and it's something I really wanted to do. And they did. They worked it out. So uh, you just never know, right? I mean, how did you, you must have felt pretty good to know, hey, I can have my cake and eat it too, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it was amazing when when he agreed to it. You know, and I think I went in probably similar to what a lot of people do. And in my own head, I wrote a lot of narrative about all the reasons he would say no, which is pretty self-defeating to do that. You know, I had, I had done that story without giving him a chance to be a part of it. And then when I did that, it all worked out. And he was like, great. So yeah, it was a huge relief. And particularly, um, well, I'll be in trouble for not sharing this yet. I'm also, my partner is a full-time doctoral student. My son is 19 and just finished his first year at the University of Kansas. And so I think for Didi, knowing that I had a position to come back to made all of this a lot easier because you can imagine that's a tough conversation as well of like, hey, I'm a, I'll see you in seven months. So <laughs> are you doing this solo or are you with your partner? I am mostly solo. They're actually sitting in Newark Airport right now on the way here. I'm going to pick them up in uh, Dubrovnik, uh, Dubrovnik, Croatia tomorrow. So the first three weeks have been solo and then I'm going to pick them up for two and a half weeks and then I'm solo again until September when I'll come home for a little bit. And then in the fall, I'll head to Asia. That's not very planned yet, but wow. Yeah. I did. I, I don't know if I realized that, that you weren't going to have your, your family with you or yeah. I mean, that's a whole different thread. <laughs> I want to explore that in a minute, but uh, I think one thing that also makes your situation unique in regards to the conversation that I usually have on this podcast is that, a lot of people are leaving jobs they don't like, which I think is a pretty easy call to go travel. Like if you don't like your job, save up money, go travel, do it, right? But you were you were on the brink of, you know, giving up something that you you enjoy and thankfully you didn't have to do that. That kind of to me shows the level of commitment you had to make this happen. And also, you said the tough conversation with your partner. Yeah, how how did that evolve for you? <laughs> do you have any advice for people on on that because yeah, I mean, especially if you're in a long-term relationship, it's like, you know, you still need to be f fulfilled as individuals. I mean, and mm -hmm. this sounds like this is like a big thing for you. Like you needed, you just needed to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we definitely had a breakthrough moment. We went back and forth and I was like, so like I said, she's a full-time PhD student finishing up her, her doctoral degree. And I said, I'll wait until you get done. We can go then. And really, it took a lot of back and forth until she got to the point of being pretty honest with me and saying, I don't want to travel that way. That's not I love to travel, but I don't want to be gone for seven months. I don't have an interest in that. And at that point, I think so. I don't know that I have advice because I feel like I got a little bit lucky, but that made it a lot easier to be like, great, I'll go. She's out of this deal in the next seven months while I'm gone, she, her and my son are coming and we're doing Croatia and Greece. And then in the fall, she'll come to Thailand and we're going to go stay at this ridiculous Hilton, the Conrad Hilton on Koh Samoy for six nights with points. And, you know, so she's doing two amazing trips in seven months the way she likes to travel and I'm getting to do this. So it just took a lot of, I mean, again, I am hesitant for advice, but it took a lot of honest conversation and a lot of, I think I owed her an explanation of why, why the hell do you want to do this? You know? And so I had to really figure that out and, and be able to answer that. And I, you know, I've, 
I've wanted to do this since I was in college and I never have. And I think um, I lost my dad in 2015 and my mom in 2016. And at that point it was like, you know, I'm, I'm 48, I'm not old, but I'm not going to wait until I retire because who knows what will be available to me then I might be able to travel. I might not. And so I think that mindset of I'm going to do this now because I know I can and, and there's never a good time. So let's just make it work. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. I mean, sorry to hear about, you know, some of the things you've gone through recently with the deaths and everything, but yeah, certainly strong reminders to say the least about uh, taking action and some things you want to do. And, you know, I, it, it struck me when you said, you know, she, she was very honest with herself that, yeah, this is the isn't the type of traveling she really wants to do. I mean, I think that's hugely important to just be honest with like, hey, what is the type of traveling you want to do? If this isn't like in line with what your partner wants to do, it's okay to take separate trips, in my opinion, and to do things separately like that. You might think this is the kind of traveling you want to do, and it probably is, but this is all new to you as well. You haven't had this yeah. travel experience yet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So three weeks in, I was actually just thinking I need to put together some kind of blog about sort of what I've learned, where I'm at now. So this is a good practice run to to think through some of that out loud. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, wh- where are you at now? Um. So, so far, no regrets. Really happy I did this. Um, really happy I'm out here doing it. I'm very excited to see Dee Dee and my son, Jared. That'll be, we're going to have a great two and a half weeks and go to some amazing places. You know, I think I've learned a little bit about, I'm, I'm older, frankly, than most of the people doing this. And so the, what does community and connection look like? And that's really important to me, I think, to be connected with other people. And so I just actually over this past weekend solidified a workaway deal in um, Bern, Switzerland for a big part of August. And so I'm excited to have, I realized and I learned that I need to plan a little more. I'm not a planner and I, I like flying by the seat of my pants, but I also realized to find the community, I need to be intentional. And so that's probably been the biggest learning of if left to my own devices, if it's not you know, if I'm not meeting people easily, I may just stay in the room and keep watching parts of parks and recreation. And that's not why I'm doing this. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, giving yourself sort of built in community with some of these projects, it sounds like you're, yeah, you're signed up for something in August. What, what will you be doing there? Yeah. So it's a family, they have a garden and some housework. They've got two kids who they want to practice English. So just kind of helping with the general stuff. It's in Schwarzenberg outside of Bern. So it's a beautiful area and, you know, four or five hours a day. And then I have time to explore. So I'm really excited to give it a try. (laughs) All right. So you have the checkpoints where your family's coming out. So you know, you're going to be at those places at those times. And obviously you just signed up for this thing through Workaway in Switzerland. Is the rest of the trip plan I mean, you have it sounds like you have the general areas but have you booked flights and things like that or are you straddling that fly by the seat of your pants uh versus yeah, it, planning thing it's funny because whenever dd is going to be with me it's pretty well planned so yeah. she'll come to <laughs> thailand on december 10th and we're doing the conrad and then my son will fly out we're not exactly sure when but we'll probably do lao and some other places wherever he wants to go in asia but so I'm home in September. It's Didi's birthday and my son has a family weekend at college. So I'll be home for a couple of weeks then and do all that stuff. And then I'll go from there back to Asia. Yeah. And right now 
the time they're not with me except for August and Switzerland is pretty much open. I don't have flights reserved yet. I don't know exactly when I'm headed back to the States for that time in September or when I'm leaving again in October for Asia. So it's pretty fly by the seat of my pants. But like I said, I've done some learning, so I think I'm going to invest some more time to make sure I'm a little clearer about where I want to go and what I want to do in Asia. Um, so, and I think I'll probably invest some time to research some more tours so that I can, I think that's a great way to meet people, whether it's a food tour or what, you know, just a city walking tour or whatever. It's a great way to meet other travelers. And so I'm going to be more intentional about that too. Yeah. How did you feel kind of when you first landed in Albania and you're just by yourself there? What was that <laughs> feeling like? Yeah, it was, you know, that's the surreal, like, um, wow, I guess I'm really doing this now that <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm here. <laughs> right. This is happening. Sure. There's no, right. uh, yeah, there's no getting around it. Like I have to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the rip cord for the parachute at this point has gone. So I need right. to just make it work. Um, so yeah, I did a free walking tour and that was great. I met another, um, traveler, a blogger. They run a blog, something of freedom and a Instagram page. They're great. So I highly suggest to follow, but and that that helped just to connect with somebody else and really, you know, kind of learned a lot there. Um, and then just tried to lean in. And I found one of the things I really love doing when I'm traveling is finding a, a pub or a bar where I can kind of find a bar stool that seems like it suits me. And so I found that place in Toronto, Albania and hung out for a few nights there. And the owner invited me to his birthday party, but unfortunately I was gone by then. So oh, I was like, okay, darn. This is yeah, that's like the thing you wait for to happen. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Be so, like, can you so move that, that birthday party up a couple right, days? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that part was all good. The biggest challenge for me has been, um, the transportation in Albania. And again, I would recommend Albania from what I've seen to anybody. It's an amazing place. This is the time to be here. It's just going to get more crowded. I, I can't imagine it wouldn't, but the transportation's tough. So it's all buses or furgons, which are the mini buses. Um, and the buses are fine. I mean, a lot of them are old or whatever, but that's no big deal, but there's no real schedule. Like you just show up at what you hope is the right bus station and look in the windows, it'll have a sign for the different towns it's going to. And you hope that it's the one you want. So that's been definitely the part of like, Oh wow, this is a little bit stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're get, trying to get to a specific town, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These are the kind of things that like you can't predict how you'll feel when you're actually, it's one thing to read about something like that on online or something. Uh, but it's a, quite another thing to actually be, having all your stuff on you and walking to the bus station and being like, all right, um, I actually have to figure this out now and you're by yourself and there's nobody there to, to help you out. Right. <laughs> Essentially. <Yeah. laughs> so leading up to the trip, what, what kind of things did you have to do to prepare outside of the regular trip planning stuff? Were there things that you did to that were big life change type things for you? Or was it just literally like trip planning kind of like, how much has changed just for the fact that you were going on this trip in your life? Right. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday. 
in Norway. Not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Well, I guess maybe this is where I would give some advice to people. Don't move um, the weekend before you're going to leave for this kind of trip. Right. Because that's what I did. (laughs) We had... You know, part of one of the key things was to, and we, I could have done the trip without it, but we really made the decision that we were hoping to downsize. And so we had lived in our house for 12 years and just way too much stuff. That's been a huge part of this whole process is learning to have less stuff, a little bit more, you know, the, the minimal lifestyle has a huge appeal for sure. Um, but I mean, has getting into travel like fueled that in some way? Yes, absolutely. And just the, I want to, the recollection of I'm going to stop, I'm a collector, I always have been. And so I'm just trying to really shift, uh, I'm going to collect experiences and not stuff. Um, So that's what I've been trying to do. But yeah, so we packed up a much bigger house and moved into a much smaller house. And that was, that was a little bit stressful, but it was great because we, you know, it, we were able to do well on the house we sold and it made the money all a lot easier and it's easier for Didi to take care of. We're in a condo, which is awesome has like a pool and you know, it's great. Now when they're leaving, we've got a friend staying with the dog and that's kind of it. There's nothing to worry about because everything's included with the condo. So it was a huge life change. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it always surprises me. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know, just how much that journey before the journey matters when you're if you're making big changes to travel or like you said the travel just kind of 
gives you these ideas. I mean, the tra- the travel itself, just the trip itself before you're on it can inspire you to make other life changes, I think, or sometimes force you to in certain cases. If you're like traveling indefinitely, you're forced to answer a lot of questions. You say, all right, I'm going to take off. What should I do with my apartment, my car, my job, all these things? You're just forced to deal with these questions that are big questions that are kind of easy to put off and are questions that can... You can see how years can go by because it's just easy to kind of just keep doing what you're doing, right? It's a- <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I, I sold a car. And so once my son came home from college, I was using his for a little bit and then, you know, had to figure that out for a few weeks. And so I think the the trip definitely became the impetus for a lot of those kind of questions that, and again, I'm not, I'm not traveling indefinitely, um, but still push me to, like you said, have to really answer some of those. And I think for me, it was really a values clarification conversation about, you know, in my own head of what's going to be important to me. And I do, I love, I collect old lunch boxes and old toys and I, I love that stuff. I get a lot of joy out of finding them and things like that, but ultimately it's not where I want to be at this point in life. You know, that's, um, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so it really was great values clarification. Hmm. I love that phrase, really, values clarification. That is so well said. And if you think about also, even with your relationships, you talked about you know having those kind of, kind of those conversations that this trip forced and only further clarifying those values, right? And kind of setting yourself up for, it's more than just this trip, the way I see it, you know, right? Like, having these conversations, having this type of m- mindset shift and also life, these life changes, I mean, changes everything going forward, right? Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's been a pretty transformative process. And, you know, I mean, uh, so my son just finished his first year of college. That's a big transition. And we only, we have one son. And so I think we had questions about what's that going to look like and what's the empty nest thing going to look like. And luckily for us, Sometimes I almost feel bad about it, but it's been great. Like it's been like, yeah, he was ready. He's a smart kid. We're we're happy. He's doing well at college. And so that transition has been great, but also provided a lot of clarity too. I think about what Didi and I want to do once she finishes school and gets all doctored up. So (laughs) it's it's been a year of a lot of that sort of, yeah, literally. Yeah. How does, how does your son feel about this new path? I mean, this is totally different for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's different when you see your parents change so dramatically, right? You just kind of can, it's easy as the child for you to think of your parents as like always the same, you know, even though you know, they're not and they're people and they're going to change and go in different directions too. Maybe some don't, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, the thing about having a 19 year old son, that's relatively low on the empathetic scale and not in a bad way. It's just who he is. <laughs> right. But like, you know, basically I'm like, so what do you think of this, Jared? It's fine. I think it's a good idea. You're going to like it. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> you know, it's a, it seems like he's taking it all with a, a pretty good, um, just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. I, my sense is his friends are a little more interested. Like, wait, what, what's wrong with your parents? What are they, you know, like, that's weird. Yeah. That That's probably where it comes up for him as much as anything of like, either they're jealous because they're not getting to do it yet or like, not sure. So yeah. It's yeah. Been, that's yeah, it's yeah. Been interesting. Yeah. These types of things. I mean, they affect everybody to some extent, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean that good or bad, you know, it's just, it's life. 
it's a changing thing. And there, I've had to wrestle with that, you know, the feeling of like, am I being selfish? Is this selfish? And there's no doubt at some level it is. Um, and I, I think ultimately for Didi and I, we're going to be better because of this. And it, again, it's helped that clarification in our relationship. And so there is a piece of like, yeah, this is pretty, it's focused on myself. There's no doubt about that. And I, I do think it's been good clarification. And I think I'll be, my hope is to go back and be a better person and be able to better be of service to others, whether that's at work or my family or whoever, That that's what I hope comes out of this. Yeah. So, I mean, the travel is giving you some space to kind of continue maybe clarifying some values or just just space to be in a different space on your own as an individual, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It allows that to to really look and, and think about and to think about those things that are important. You know, you spend a, a lifetime, not not everybody, but a lot of us spend a lifetime working and sort of planning for this thing after work or whatever and Again, just that realization of, oh, wait, I don't want to wait. Again, hopefully that will be a great time for Didi and I, but I don't want to wait for that. I want to be having those experiences now, you know? Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing too. I mean, especially when you're part of a family unit and uh, you get to break away and sort of reclaim your individual identity to an extent, right? Like not that it's not there, but sometimes in the day-to-day life, I, I mean, I'm in the thick of it right now with two small kids and everything, it's like there's not a lot of time to just like use the word selfish, but it's I don't think it's selfish. It's just kind of reconnecting with yourself, you know? Yeah, I like that reframe. And you know what? Like, I mean, we've been we've been parenting Jared for 19 years, 18 of those. He was the the focus and I'm happy we were able to do that. And I think, you know, he's been he's traveled more than I have. He's been able to participate with a group called People to People and as you know, freshman in high school was going to Vietnam and Cambodia and had great experiences. And so we really invested a lot there. And so there, it's nice now to be able to see him be mostly well adjusted and, and finding his own, you know, way into adulthood and be able to explore some things for ourselves. Yeah. It's interesting that you, I think the name is funny, so I'm not knocking it. I love the brand that came up with. If you were going to blog about this, the midlife crisis traveler was right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I know you're just doing it kind of for fun right now, right? Like it's not like a business thing, but just literally just writing about your travels and sharing from what I understand through our conversations and everything that you're posting in the community and all that. But, um, like, did you struggle at all with the next? I, I definitely don't. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of negative connotations with the midlife crisis, right? Like, oh, it's like the guy's going to go buy a, you know, yellow convertible and try to be young again or something. But it's not that at all. I mean, it's it's totally different from that. So I thought it was interesting that you named it that. I mean, do you, yeah, tell me about that. I just want to hear yeah. your thoughts. And my tagline too, after that part is I, I don't even, I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, instead of a motorcycle, I'm going to travel oh, yeah. for my midlife oh, crisis. Yeah, that's so right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think having I, fun with it. Yeah. It, and it does have some negative connotations and the reality is for me, um, it's been real and it's been, um, impactful to go in my, you know, I was, my parents were older. And so that definitely, I think, shapes my journey quite a bit by having older parents than, than most people my age. Um, but it's been real and it's been a, an important time to grow and mature and try to change. And, you know, I did pretty intensive therapy, which I'm happy to share because I think everybody should. (laughs) Um, but you know, and so it, it, 
it's been a real thing and a real challenge. So it's definitely tongue in cheek in some ways. And in other ways, it's an acknowledgement of like, I'm not going to pretend that somehow this isn't what's happening for me. It, it really is. There's, you know, the questioning and the like, so is this it? So I, you know, here I am at 48 and this is the job. Is this kind of it? And the answer I came up with was no, there can still be some stuff that's different and there can still be some change, which I think it's easy to resign yourself to, yeah, this is it, you know, whatever it may be. Right. That's the crisis part of it. I guess the real life crisis part of it is, uh, yeah, it's funny because you can have these sort of generic images, oh, midlife crisis or whatever. But like when you when you describe it in that way, you know, how much change goes on and hitting this crisis point of, hey, like I, I do want to do something different. How does that look? How do I go about that? How do those conversations happen? And there's no magical formula, right? You kind of have to go into it and just kind of go through the muck a little bit, right? Yeah. And I think for, you know, without getting too far into the the philosophical, but the for me, it also it had a lot to do with being a man and what how I've been socialized around what my masculinity was supposed to look like and what that means and and trying to break free of some of that, to be honest. I think there's a a strong paradigm in the US about what masculinity should look like or what it means to be a real man and I think at some point, just trying to explore some of that, there was a little bit of like, oh, wait, some of that, I think some of that, what I've been told I'm supposed to be is just kind of bull. <laughs> I need to, and I am not satisfied with that. I want to challenge that or do something different. I want to connect with other men in real emotional, meaningful ways and not be limited by these, you know, sort of characters of what it means to be a man. And so that's been helpful. And I feel lucky to be in an environment that supported me to kind of question some of that because it's not always easy to question, you know, those, those socializations are strong and people get, they don't like when you start to question some of those ideas about what identity can look like or is supposed to look like. Yeah. I love that you're sharing this because, um, probably something that doesn't get talked about enough. What was the biggest challenge around that for you? Um, I think at the, how much meaning making I did as a man and not, not that women wouldn't have this, but how much meaning making I did related to work and how much that became so much of who I was. And there wasn't trying to look and find myself outside of that became pretty difficult. And so I think that was one of the bigger challenges. One of the other ones that is not sort of is more is, probably more challenging and not that great, not that fun to talk about is to realizing how much I had internalized some of those messages about what masculinity looked like and how much I was part of the problem of, or, and still am in many ways, but of perpetuating sexism and doing some of that and really wanting to challenge that and try to show up differently than a lot of the men I've seen around me and be a little different role model for my son. So those are, those are big challenges, both of them. Wow. This is, huge stuff <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah it, it yeah. also takes courage to to start to be critical about yourself around those things right like first you have to i don't know the exact process step by step but just thinking off the top of my head i mean first you have to kind of generate this self-awareness around these things that might be automatic right like you said they're so internalized and you're so socialized in a certain way that it's automatic. It can come from, it It just seems to be a natural part of who you are. 
but who you are changes by becoming aware of those types of things that you want to change. Yeah. Right. And I think I benefited a lot because this is a lot of the work I do with students. And at some point you can, you know, you have to kind of look in the mirror and think, gosh, I ask students to really examine whether it's gender or race or class or sexual orientation or whatever. I ask them to think about those things in some really hard ways. And I'm not doing that reflection. That's probably a problem <laughs> that, that probably I'm probably not as good at it as I could be if I would be doing that. And so I think the environment that I worked in made it easier to do, you know, I can imagine if I was working on a construction crew that sort of doing some of these things could be tougher. And again, that's part of the issue, I think, for men is we don't have those spaces. So I was really lucky to be in a space that encouraged that. Um, so I don't take that for granted, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly not alone in that. It's a lot easier to take a look at somebody else's sort of situation and, and you know, I think about a friend and lend them an ear and just be like, oh, well, it's obvious you should probably do this because this would be better for you. <laughs> right. You you can't really say that. And you can't also, it's just easier to take it from the outside perspective and somebody else's situation and what, what to change. But I love that you keep bringing up kind of the students. And one of the things you said about, you know, maybe taking a break from the work and things like that was not, it wasn't just for you, but it was that, hey, you didn't feel like you could serve them in a certain way if this isn't something you did for yourself. And I think that's that's really key to kind of looking outside of yourself and especially when it comes to the job thing, which, you know, if you're not able to perform at, at a certain level for those people that you serve, then maybe, it you know, that's a reason outside of you to maybe consider making a change, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, th you know, if, if, the business you're in, so to speak, is working with people and investing in others. I think you've got to have a a reserve of energy that really is maintained to do that well. You know, I'm not, I don't make widgets. And so it's not, hey, what's the quality of that widget? I'm investing in people's lives. And so when, when you do that and you're doing it in a way that's not really fully committed that, you know, I, I didn't feel good about that. And I feel like I was in that place a little bit of, I'm not on a regular basis able to bring my best self and and do this work. And so I need to do something to, to get back to that. Yeah. Well, having some ability to follow your journey a bit as you've led up to this trip has been a real privilege to see you go from, you know, working through all this stuff, you know, like the move and all the stuff you've been doing right. <laughs> to um, now talking to you and you're in Albania because when you, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were actually on the trip yet because we were trading messages earlier and we were talking about the time zone and I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't get the time wrong because it's, it's my time. And then you're like, oh no, it's 7.30 my time too. I'm like, where is Lance? Where is he right now? Um, how is the food in Albania, by the way? It's good. So it's, uh, um, heavily Mediterranean influenced for sure. And depending on where you're at on the coast, there's definitely a bigger Italian influence, which for me is great. I love pasta and, you know, cause it's so healthy for you. Um, <laughs> good, good seafood, all of that. Um, the more traditional food has been really good too. There's a lot of different meat and, you know, things like that, that, that they do in some pretty creative ways. What the best thing so far though, has been the tomatoes. Oh my gosh. They've oh, really? been unreal. Oh, so good. <laughs> if you like tomatoes, I suggest Albania for sure. They've been wonderful. And so, you know, in the Greek salad kind of stuff, the tomatoes and cucumbers and fresh vegetables have been really enjoyable. Oh, that sounds fantastic, man. Well, I mean, soak it up enjoy it do you mind if we uh check back in and have yawn like maybe later on the road down 
down the road on your trip so we can hear about some of your adventures and maybe what the trip has taught you at that point. I would love that. And I, I want to just say thank you for, for having me on. And I just, uh, what an honor I consider that to be able to share some of this. So th- thanks for that investment of your time. I really appreciate it. And I would love to talk more for sure. No, that's great. No, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, you're, you come on and you're willing to share in a, such an honest way because this is, uh, this is what we do here. We share stories and it matters. You know, it matters to hear people's perspectives and the things they've gone through because I know there's some people out there listening that some of this stuff's going to resonate with and that that stuff matters, man. It helps people get out on the road or do the other things they want to do too. So um, thanks for coming on to share and we will continue to follow your journey and I know it's not bringing you to Norway from what I know, but um, as of today, it's not. But you know what? You, you never know. So never it wasn't know. taking me to Switzerland last week. And this next right. night is. So. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, man, I look forward to catching up with you and hearing how it's going. And um, just congrats once again on everything you've done to get to this point. So well deserved and go have some fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. And picking up the family tomorrow. So we're looking for a good time. Yeah. It'll be fun. That so. would be great. Cool. Yeah. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Take care. Okay. We just hopped into the DeLorean. We traveled through the seven layers of the candy cane forest. We've jumped ahead in the future And when we last talked to you, Lance, you were three weeks in to a seven-month journey, and now you're home. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) How do we do that? We just teleported through time. How long ago was that, man? How long have you been home? I've been home since the 1st of January, so a month already. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well... Again, you were, it seemed like three weeks in, you were already having some pretty big revelations on your journey, and we just covered those in the last segment, and now it's the end, so you've had even more time to reflect, and I think a month home is a good amount of time to kind of still have the trip where it's fresh enough to reflect on it and how it may have impacted you, but also you've had time to settle back in to your routine a bit, right? Yes, for sure. You said, uh, just to quote you from the original, uh, the last time you said you wanted to travel like this for years. So you've now done it. Was it all it was cracked up to be in your mind? Yeah, it was really an amazing <laughs> experience. I mean, I have I have no second guessing or regrets about doing it. And it was, I mean, it was a lifetime bucket list experience for sure. I enjoyed, you know, there there were hard days. There's no doubt about that, but I enjoyed every bit of it. What were the hard days? Give an example of what was hard about the hard days. You know, I think probably the biggest, most common thing was traveling solo and having those days when you're just kind of lonely and not real motivated to get out and do much. And, you know, and those were, that's probably the biggest thing of just like, gosh, how am I going to connect with another human today? Mm. Um, and usually that was easy, but not always, you know, again, there were some of those days that were, um, tougher. So 
I had an experience in Thailand. I got bit by a dog, so I got to do the whole rabies thing, and that was definitely a time when I was thinking, oh, I wish somebody was here with me as I'm bouncing from emergency room to doctor to, you know, the all whole, those What is the whole rabies thing? I mean, uh, thankfully, good. I've never had to do the whole rabies thing. <laughs> wow. Well, try to avoid it if you can. So it's uh, when you get bit and you're not vaccinated, you have to have, and I'm, I'll say this wrong, it's like immunoglobulin. I, I mean, that probably wasn't even close, but you get a series of shots right after you get bit, including right where the bite is. And so I got bit in the thumb. It was just a tiny little bite, but they put eight shots right in my thumb oh. and then another, yeah. Then you get them in that arm and then a bunch in my ass and it was, it was fun. And then you go for the next five or four or five shots that is just the regular vaccine over the next couple months. So okay, wow. I visited hospitals in Thailand and Taiwan and, um, where was my, I guess my last one was in Taiwan. Yeah. No kidding. So a shot in the thumb sounds painful. Yeah. Well, it's worse than it sounds. So really <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. That was, that was the worst of the shots for sure. That's a quite tender little area to have a shot pushed into. Yeah. But I mean, all, I lived, so it all worked out. Right. What did that experience teach you? <laughs> Well, you know, of course, the first thing I thought when this all happened was stay away from dogs because you're not vaccinated, which I knew. But, um, yeah, it was a it was a little stressful. It's nothing to mess around with, because no. if you were to get infected, you you die. That's kind of it. So, gosh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, these are the kind was... of things that, of course, can happen. It's not, you know, you don't set off thinking, oh, I'm going to get bit by a dog and have to deal with, you know, rabies treatment. But, you know, it's also these these challenges that. I don't know. They they do shape your travels or you in some way. Also, it's not like you wish them upon yourself, but I suppose there can be some value in in them as well. I mean, it, it's a funny story now. It wasn't when I was in the middle of it and trying to figure out if I no. got it. the The first round of treatment I got didn't include the more emergency, the the quick shots you needed, and so I was pretty sure I didn't get what I needed, and so. Yeah. Trying to talk to my doctor and all that. Yeah, it was a little bit stressful. I had a couple of sleepless nights. Mm. What did you do to connect with people on those lonely days? You said, you know, you weren't sure if you'd be able to connect. And then inevitably, sometimes you found some ways. Uh, do you have any tips for uh, people wanting to connect and who are solo traveling that have worked for you? Yeah, I think... Um, a couple of things that I'm a big fan of the free city walking tours and just kind of joining a group and then, you know, being that one person who's willing to talk to other people <laughs> and kind of get the group going. Um, and then other tours, I really, I ended up using, um, I used tours by local sub and then I also used Airbnb experiences, which was pretty easy cause it's all built in and you know, all the charges are taken care of through your Airbnb account. And, I think those were all great ways to connect and meet people. I did a cooking class in Thailand and met a, you know, met a bunch of fun folks. And so putting yourself out there to do those kind of things for me, and I've never, when I've traveled in the past, I haven't done as much of that, but certainly as a solo traveler, it was a great option. When we last talked, you were about to see your family in Croatia, and that got me thinking about what you were kind of doing, what you described on your trip, which was this kind of hybrid solo trip, but then your family was coming to visit you um, at different points. I'm not sure how many times that happened or if it happened again. I think you talked about your wife 
coming to Asia or something also. How did that all work out for you in terms of the experience that you structured for yourself with the solo travel and having the visits from loved ones? So I I love the solo travel for me. There was, and I think we talked about this last time, there's just a freedom in that. Um, and there's a freedom in, you know, kind of the, if I was happy, everybody was happy and I really liked it. So I was very drawn to the solo travel for sure. And that being said, when my family was able to join me, those were definitely highlights. So yeah, they came to Croatia and we visited Greece. And then at the end of my trip, um, Didi joined me in Bangkok and we traveled for a little bit. And then we met my son, Jared, in, um, in Taipei City. And so finished the trip with them. And they actually ended up, I had committed to be back at work. They ended up staying another week and a half and going to Japan, which was kind of a cool thing to see. Huh. I mean, I was a little jealous, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> How did the, your experience of being away from them and also whatever happened with your travels and that's, you know, all the personal stuff that shifts you in whatever way. It's, it's hard to describe uh, a whole entire trip like you've just had. But um, how did that change your, or did it change your relationships with your wife, with your son? You know, imagine her coming out sort of at the end of your trip. You're not the, you are the same person from as when you left, but you've also had all these experiences. So there must be some things that have shifted. Yeah. I don't, so in, I, when you asked the question, I was thinking changed. I don't, hmm, I don't know if I would say change, but certainly had an impact. I mean, seven months is a long time to be gone. And I told people throughout the trip, they were like, how are you doing this? Like you're married, right? And I'd be like, yes, I'm married. And she's supportive, you know, but I think the, what I would often tell people is, yeah, we couldn't have done this when we were married for five years, probably, or maybe even 10, you know, we've been, it'll, we'll have our 25th anniversary this year. So we're not, we're not new at this. And I think that there was a, a security in the relationship and, you know, she was super supportive. And so I think overall she had a good semester. She's finishing a PhD and, you know, I think got a lot done. So I like to tell her I should probably leave again so she can finish that up because she got good work done without me. But um, I think it, you know, the, I don't know that there's long-term impact as much as it just felt really good knowing I was supported to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's the old adage, right? Like if you love somebody, let them go. Right. It's, it's a, and I mean, she wasn't letting you go per se, but kind of, I mean, you have to, you're still individuals, even though you've been married for 25 years. So you had to do, this is something you had to do. It sounded like, um, so she came out and had some of these experiences with you and you said she wasn't really interested in this style of travel. Is she more interested now? Have you guys talked about doing some longer trips like this together? Or is she still kind of like, eh, that's your thing. Uh, we'll just figure this out as we go. <laughs> well, I mean, she ended up doing, um, five weeks at this end trip, which is longer than she's ever done. So I, you know, I don't know if she'd give me any credit for that or not, but I, it seems like there was definitely an openness. And then, you know, like I said, her and my son, Jared kept traveling. And so I think there was an interest and an openness and a little more, um, fire for, um, the international travel. Right after I got back, we went to Nashville. Kara and Nate, who are YouTube vloggers, were having a party to celebrate their 100th country they'd been to. And so 750 people turned up for that. And I think it gave 
Didi a better sense too of, of you know I said it, you kind of understand my unique crazy now in terms of travel because when you're in a room with 750 others who want to do the same thing it's pretty cool yeah so, yeah absolutely and, um get around that energy yeah and were, I got her to sign up for Camp Indy so we'll be uh, hanging out in June nice yeah that's awesome I'm so excited for that what were some of the highlights for you you talked about I'm talking travel now because you you said you were kind of flying by the seat of your pants uh, when you were planning on going to Asia. You went to Asia. Um, I, I guess this is a twofold question. We should take the first part. How about the the sort of flying by the seat of the pants thing? I mean, what did you learn about travel? Maybe, maybe some tips or wisdom you can impart on us here in, in terms of kind of planning and leaving some room for spontaneity and how you, you manage that. You know, I think one of the the things that I learned, which isn't this isn't surprising, no rocket science about to happen here, but is part of it is trust yourself and lean into what your strengths are. Um, and so I would never suggest to anybody that, you know, that fly by the seat of your pants, not planning is the right thing for them. It worked for me. Um, but you know, if you're a real planner, do that because you'll feel better about it. And for me, I think if I would have tried to plan every second, it would have turned into a task that I didn't want to do. And so I think really for me, a lot of it is trust yourself and it's going to work out when you're traveling. And certainly when you're traveling for seven months, it's probably not the right time to try to you know, change and do something totally different. If you're not a planner to be like, okay, this is the first time I'm going to really plan things out or vice versa. It doesn't seem like that would work that well. Hmm. Yeah. That's good advice. Uh, know thyself, I guess. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I got the opportunity to, well, again, I, now this is twice. So I'm a little, I'm a Kara and Nate fan, I guess, but I did a river cruise with them in Myanmar that they hosted. Um, and the, guy I was going to share a room with Mark was traveling for like three months and he had everything planned and I would tease him a little about it, but it was amazing. I mean, his detail and the planning he did and he loved the doing the planning. Like yeah. it was a joy to him. It would have made my eyeballs pop out. Right. You know, and so <laughs> cool. It, whatever works. Like I said, I, I don't think if this is time to try to change everything when you're going to take on, there's so much transition and difference in your life trying to create some new habits could be pretty tough, you know, yeah. and I'm not a planner. Like that's who I am in real life. I'm pretty spontaneous. I'm not much right. of a planner. And so it made sense. Scratch your own itch. Like, I'm using a lot of these cliches, but they, they are cliches for a reason, like, reason, I guess. It does come to a certain point though, right? Where it's like, well, if you need to plan everything because you're, you're not able to let go or you're like being a control freak about it and you want to know everything that's going to happen. I think it can cross over into unhealthy territory where you have to learn to accept the things that come at you. But if you're just love planning, that's a whole different scenario, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think, you know, it's the, it's the ability to be, be flexible. I think probably no matter how much you plan, things happen, right? You know, and so whether, whatever it is, things happen that might disrupt that. So the ability to be flexible with it. But like I said, for me, I would have the moments I was, I think in Chiang Mai and I got to a, uh, co-working space and sat down one day and hammered out a bunch of flights and that felt good, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't need to do that in May before I left. No. Yeah. You did it while, while you were, I mean, when you're going for that long too, I guess you're going to 
have some things that need to get done along the way. And that, that's how I always did it. I like to just, all right, we're going to, you know, we've been seeing a lot of things running around. We're going to take this half a day and just plan out the next month or whatever, you know, or the next few weeks. And that can be fun too, because you don't really know how you're going to feel three or four months into a trip, right? It, it Did you find that the whole thing kind of ebbed and flowed? Because when you travel that long, you're, yeah, you're traveling, but then you do kind of have these, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but these ebbs and flows, I guess. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Yeah, there were ebbs and flows, certainly, again, in terms of energy and enthusiasm for a place or whatever. But what I will say is I never had a really, except for maybe with the rabies thing, I never really had a single moment where I was like, gosh, I wish, I wish I wasn't doing this or, you know, I never had any of that wonder. I was always happy to be doing the traveling and be on the road. How, what are some of the highlights for you in terms of the travel sites, countries, things that you got to do? Maybe it's small moments that you experienced yeah. that stand out the most. I'm not sure. You know, I think one of the coolest things is there's not any place I wouldn't want to go back to. Like I, I was, um, enamored at some level with every place I went, probably the one place that I felt like, gosh, this didn't live up to what I had hoped for was Rome. And my main response to that is I got to go back and do that again. Cause I must've done something wrong. You know, people love it. So I need to go back. And so I feel really fortunate, I guess, kind of an overall highlight of like, it was just an amazing experience to be in all of these different places and experience them. And and I would love to go back to any of them. Um, you know, and you hear things like, gosh, don't, don't go to Halong Bay. It's too touristy and there's too many people. Well, like I would go back there in a heartbeat. There's so many people because it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And, 
yeah, when you're, you know, doing the the boat through the bay or whatever, you're going to see other boats, but okay, I can live with that. You know, I mean, <laughs> it was, and so you can live with the sight of other boats, yeah, right? Plants? Like, you know, like if this is, if this is the trouble for my day is I can see three or four other boats off of our boat. I feel like it's a pretty good day. So yeah, it's still a win. Yeah, I think there is some of that, you know, like, well, don't go there. It's become too discovered. I mean, I hear that about Thailand, too. And I love Thailand. I had I spent I was probably there for nearly a month. I almost yeah, I almost stayed my whole visa there. I think I was a day or two short. And so like from Bangkok to Chiang Mai to Chiang Rai, all of it, we did some time on an island there. It's a beautiful country. Which my wife and I did a podcast uh, where we did our top five places we'd be dying to go back to that we've been. So if you had to list a couple, say, of the places that you've been, that you'd be, you know, you get two free plane tickets tomorrow back to two of the places you've been, what would you choose? Why do I, why are you only giving me two, man? Come on. All right, take three. What what can I say? Take three. Take three. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Well, like I said, so one of them kind of weird, but I I would say this is Rome. I would love to go back and kind of do it again and give it another shot because I was just like, yeah, not so impressed. And yeah, so there's a weird way that I'm drawn to it for sure. In terms of just places immediately drawn to Switzerland is one. I would love to go back and spend more time in Switzerland. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. And, you know, I live in Colorado. It's, it's pretty darn nice here, yeah, but that's Switzerland was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just beautiful from the mountains to the green hills and all the farms. I mean, it was, it was great. So that's definitely one of the highlight places. Um, I would, we did, um, Koh Samui and Thailand. I would love to go back to some different islands in Thailand. That was a very cool experience and just they're beautiful and, you know, pretty laid back and just a, a great time. So there, there's three, but I could probably give you 10 more too, you know? <laughs> no. And that you're dipping into different parts of the world too. Like you got Southeast Asia, of course, and Europe, there's so much to see and, you got to have some experiences in Eastern Europe and Western Europe and Southeast Asia. And what uh, what uh, what other areas of the world did you make it to? Was that did I cover it? Yeah, that was mostly. Yeah. You know, I, I did go to Japan, which I get doesn't feel like the rest of Southeast Asia to me. It feels pretty standalone and amazing in its own way. But mm. yeah, so. yeah, that's a place I'd really love to go back to because I only spent a handful of days there. But it's uh, there's so many wonderful things to do there. I think it's a little expensive, I guess, but it is. Yeah, it's expensive for sure. I did a work away there. So I kind of structured my workaways. I did one in Switzerland and one there. And so tried to do those in the countries that were, you know, less affordable. Yeah, we talked about that a bit. You you did more of those, I guess. I mean, it sounds like that was a strategy you continued to utilize. Yeah. So when we talked in September, I was actually at a workaway back in the States making my way home. I was in Maine. Um, and then when I, so I came home and we did Didi's birthday and all that and got to see Jared and had, you know, a great couple weeks at home. And then when I went to Japan, that was my first stop in Asia. And I did a work away there for a couple weeks in Ome, which is in the Tokyo prefecture, but outside of the city. And it was really, I'm really grateful for getting to do that. It was a great way to get integrated into a place to save money, but also just to see, you know, the, the ones I did in Switzerland and in Japan, both of those were in people's homes. And so you really get to just see, you know, how people are are living and, and the day-to-day life. And so I had a, in Japan, I had a 
wonderful host couple who were so kind to me. And yeah, it was great. That's wonderful. Yeah, you can't, I mean, you're getting that experience. And then, of course, uh, you're probably doing some tasks that you don't normally do. And they're getting to have a cultural experience as well that they're opening their doors to. I, mean, I think it's a wonderful thing because, you know, through the Airbnb experiences, I, I, I never actually used the Airbnb experiences. Did you find that that was more of a, um, like a traveler type tourist experience or were you able to have those types of connections through some of those as well? Um, I, you know, it, it is a tourist type experience, but yeah, so I did, um, one in, I did a tour in Chiang Mai and it was just a driving deal and, you know, had such a good time with the guide that I ended up, we went the next day and, uh, she owned a restaurant in Chiang Mai. And so I ate at a restaurant. So it, it did lead to some of those pieces where right. it was like, Oh, you get to see a little more in. And so, I like the Airbnb experiences just because it's so easy on the platform I'm already really used to and was using a lot. But yeah, I would say it it led to some pretty cool opportunities. And, you know, like this is definitely the the guy that I met in Chiang Mai, somebody I would recommend and say, hey, you know, go go use Thai. She's a great guide. And so I, I think that was a real positive of that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you can't have that expectation, of course, but you can be open to it. And if it happens, that's always a nice thing, right? When you can go to that deeper sort of connection with people. And I get, I was in Hoi An in Vietnam and I wasn't feeling great. And so I, same kind of deal where I had used a guide there. That one wasn't through Airbnb, but had been booked through um, a travel company over there. And so we did the first day and then we were planning to go back out for a second day because we had such, you know, I had such a good time and wasn't feeling great. So I let him know, hey, I'm not feeling great today. I think I'm going to have to cancel. And she was like, well, come to my house and let me cook you the soup. I don't, it's, I feel bad that you're not feeling good. I mean, so just so, so much kindness, I guess, is what I really experienced. And with the local guides, I really did. I had no, I hadn't explored that enough. And now it's one of the things that I'm like, I wouldn't want to go anywhere and not do some amount of time with a local guide just to, you know, if nothing else, just to get to know some different people. Which website was that? Um, that was through a company called Viet Dreamland, who I booked with in Vietnam. Okay. They did my my cruise there, too. Okay, that was in-country. But did you use yeah. another website for local guides, or was, uh, was it just depending on where you went, you just found some local yeah. guides? I have done tours by locals, which is tours another by locals. That was the one you recommended. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. it's a... Uh, so they're a third-party company that just helps organize more local tours. I, you know, I think most of the guides, if they're if they're really hustling and trying to make it work, they're probably on multiple platforms. <laughs> That's my sense. But so yeah, I think I think the one I liked the most was just the Airbnb. Like I said, more for simplicity, just because it was all, you know, you already have the payment set up. It's right there. It's easy. It folds into your itinerary. So when you if you're staying in an Airbnb you'll see your experiences listed on your itinerary. Right. Which is kind of cool. Cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about being home. Are you back at work? I am back at work. I flew in on a Sunday from Japan, which included a one night in Hong Kong and a full day in Honolulu playing on the beach and then two overnight flights and landed on a Sunday and went back to work Monday. Oh, man. That's smart, right? <laughs> a shock to the system. Yeah, right into it. No yeah. no runway, so to speak. 
Well, the way I looked at it, I just maximized every bit of time I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the best way to look at it, right? Um, so what what was that like? Just getting back to work and to the routines. Did yeah, time well, this- did time feel funny? Did time feel different? Yes, for sure. I mean, you know, you come back and you're jet lagged, so there's that component, but just the needing to be up at a certain time and be in a place at a certain time and all of and you know, I my my job's pretty flexible, but still those parameters of what a 40-hour work week looks, yeah, that definitely felt weird. But this is the story definitely gets uh stranger and more interesting from there for sure. <laughs> in so, what way? Well, I lasted uh all of five days before I let my boss know that I'd be resigning my position what? in June. <laughs> Are yeah. you serious? Uh, did, I, did I bury the lead a little bit? <laughs> no way. Yeah, it was it was about a week and I just I got through that first week and I had had a meeting with my boss on that Friday and came home for the weekend and just had this moment of complete clarity of, and again, you know, we talked about this before. I I don't, I have a wonderful job at Colorado state university. I work with amazing people. So I'm not in a position where it was like, you know, this job is killing me or whatever. It wasn't wasn't that at all. Um, But I just had this clarity of it's time to do something else. And I think what I learned in the travel, one of the big takeaways is I just want to live a little bit differently. Um, I want to try, I want to opt out of the system that I've been so indoctrinated into and, and give it a shot to do something different. So I'll work through this semester and I'll come to Camp Indy in June, probably freaking out because I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. And <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> Welcome to the party, right? I'm I'm yeah. doing something and I still don't know what I'm doing for the rest right. of my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've got I feel like I have some good clarity. Like I don't necessarily think I'm an entrepreneur. I don't wanna I'm not looking to start a business. I feel like I'm I'm too old for that. I mean I'm not, but that's what it feels like. Um but really I think part of my role is I think I have a unique ability in supporting others and being um helpful in that way to watch others success and help yeah, so I don't know what that looks like in the world of location independence or any of that, but I'm going to figure it out. Hopefully by this time next year, I'll have a better sense of that. And I've got a few ideas in the hopper, but nothing nothing firmed up yet. So we'll see. Wow. Yeah, you buried the lead. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually surprised I because I, I knew, you know, through our discussions and just knowing you for a while, I mean, I know you were happy with your job and... Uh, you know, working for a university is always kind of a nice thing. And then it seemed like you were around pretty good energy overall there. So I didn't expect that. I mean, I thought, <laughs> of course, that it was a possibility that you might decide that. But I, I, I never would have expected so soon either. Well, uh, I'm, me, I am surprised. Yeah, I don't think I expected so soon either. And certainly I don't think Dee Dee did, but she's been a good sport about it. Um, yeah, I just... I really had, like I said, it was this moment of clarity. And part of it is I'm not opposed. I would consider working at a university again. I would consider working at Colorado State again if the right thing came up. But some of it was, you know, I'll when I finish this semester, I will have finished 13 years in this position. And I, part of it is I think it's just time for some new energy for, you know, I have a great office and campus activities and I want to see it thrive. And I'm not sure I'm the right one to do that going forward. And so you know, the, the timing all worked out pretty well to really think about that. And I just want to, 
you know, figure out a way to, again, maybe different than some of the location indie folks or some of that community. Part of it for me is I really want to focus on having less stuff, spending less money and living more simply. And so what does that look like? And this is going to force that issue because I'm not going to have any money. So it'll make that easier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always said that travel was forced minimalism. That's how I learned about the value of minimalism just by traveling and I couldn't have a lot of stuff with me. And then I I never really thought too much about, I mean, I didn't have a lot of stuff coming out of college anyway, but I, you know, you think that, oh, well, this is just kind of how it works. You got to get an apartment and stuff and things. And that's how life goes. But I started traveling right after that and then realized, well, I like, I really love this whole not having a lot of things. This is really liberating and it feels good and you don't really need a lot of things. And that, that was, uh, I think that's a core value of a lot of travelers after the travel, you know, whether it's before or after the travel experience depends on you. I mean, I, I have, uh, the stuff I have now is driving me a little crazy because I have two small kids and I live somewhere. So this is like the most stuff I've ever had in my life. And like toys and this, that, you know, the grandparents love to give toys. Thank you, grandparents. Right. But <laughs> if we can cut down on some of the stuffed animals, you know, that would be great. Just to, they're not, none that's of them right. are listening to this, by the way. So don't worry. <laughs> well, ki- kids are, kids are hoarders for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And it also well, like, you know, I remember having like my junk drawer with a bunch of knickknacks. So oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and you know, I knew I always wanted to travel, and I didn't do it, and I think I filled that. Like, I'm a I'm a collector by nature. I'm actually trying to sell a bunch of stuff now that I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I buy all this? But I tend to be a collector. I love the, I love going into antique stores and you know hunting for something that I think I want. But then when I have it, I'm like, well, who cares? You know, I mean, it's the hunt, the adventure of doing it for me that's fun, and so. After traveling, what I realized is there's there's just another way to feed that entirely that doesn't have anything to do with the accumulation of stuff. And so that's that's we're going to give that a shot for a while and see what happens. When you said you had a moment of clarity, was that coming from a specific place? It, it was just a. I just knew it was time to move on. Yeah, I it, came like, back. It, like the switch flipped. It was not possible to go back the other way kind of thing. Yeah, I came home after that first week over the weekend and I was just like, oh, it's time for me to move on. And the reality is, I think maybe I knew that before. And it's funny because people here are like, yeah, none of us are surprised. If we're surprised about anything, it's that you came back for this semester. But, you know, I had committed to that. We're a little short staffed in the office. And so I'm really happy to be here this semester and feel fortunate that I get to you know, have this last semester at work. Um, but, but yeah, it, it just was like, oh wait, I'm, I'm done in this position and I've, you know, I feel like I've done good work in it and I've done what I've can, but it's time for something different, which is, that's a pretty common feeling. I think what's different and what challenges the paradigm for people that stresses them out on my behalf is that I don't have the next thing planned. And that's the part where for me, just kind of being like, it's okay. Like, you know, it doesn't, I'm not going to get so caught up in that paradigm of I've got to have the next job before I make this decision. And so, yeah, I I do feel I've described it a little bit as I'm kind of opting out for a little bit and we'll, I may opt back in eventually or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But but I'm just going to, that's a great way to be. I, I mean, I don't know if some of that came from traveling for you. I know for me, you know, having the travel experiences of not always knowing what was coming next or, or where exactly 
I was going to be working next and things like that taught me to not stress as much about not knowing what was going to happen next. Did that concept come from your travels or? Yeah. I I mean, I think I've had that. I've always had a desire to pursue adventure and just haven't done it as much. And so I think what the travel did was helped with my self-confidence to be like, oh, wait, I can actually pursue the lifestyle I want. You know, I've always, again, had this sense of like, I don't know that I'm built for this, the nine to five, but nonetheless, I've been doing it for 30 years, you know, even knowing like, this isn't for me. (laughs) I still sort of contorted myself into the position to do that. And I think what traveling did was really gave me that confidence of like, no, give, try something different and see, you know, and I'm super privileged and super lucky, whether it's, you know, as I think about multiple different identities, class, race, gender, whatever of like, I'm going to be okay. And so I just, it's time to, to take this chance. The challenge obviously is being in a relationship and it causes DD some extra stress. And, you know, we're trying to get my son through college. And so, you know, all of those pieces, there's real things out there that matter and we're going to be okay. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You said kind of knowing, sort of having the sense that that might be the case going into it, but then that's, that's, um, I mean, like you said too, you said, well, I think you had a sense that maybe the nine to five wasn't your type of lifestyle, but you were still doing it. But it sounds like, yeah, now you're just kind of taking a stand against that for where you are in your life right now. And I think that's wonderful, not because you're doing that, because it would have been fine if you got back to your job and you were happy with it. But it sounds like you did realize you were, it, it was time to close that chapter. And, but it, you know, it could be easy to just keep going, right? I mean, a lot of people just keep going, but you're you're taking the stand, even though you don't know what's going on. So that's... Yeah. that's and it would have been way huge. easier just to keep doing it. And I just... There, right. Yeah, that so that, you know, I told people that when I did the seven months, you know, there was a part of me that kind of hoped maybe it would scratch whatever that itch is. But ultimately, yeah. I just... I came back with a rash. Like, you know, it didn't... <laughs> I didn't satisfy anything by traveling. I just yeah. created more and different desires to, to live differently. Um, and it really solidified, Oh wait, this is, this is a fit for me. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I think most of my core values are still the same in terms of, I want to do something where I'm of service. I want to, you know, those are, those are high priorities for me. I want to do something that feels like it makes a difference. Um, and I'm willing to, you know, do whatever, drive the ride share a little bit just to make ends meet so I can have a more flexible schedule to, you know, live out those core values in some different ways. Yeah. We talked a little bit in the last segment about your workaway experience and just, you know, wondering, oh, did it feel, you know, coming from working at a university and then, you know, you're cleaning up garbage or whatever, like how, how that kind of strips the ego away right away. I mean, it sounds like some of those experiences might come in handy going forward if you, you know, have to hustle up some things in different ways. And that's a good thing. And I, you know, I think it it will be an interesting challenge. And certainly I think probably, I mean, lots of people probably do this, but I think through the identity of being a man and how much my identity has been wrapped up in what I do for a living um, and how that's probably going to need to shift. So I'm going to have to find where, that identity and where I draw that strength from in some other places, because I'm really not looking 
I have no plans, at least for a little bit, to look for what feels like another career type job. I'll work just, you know, to make ends meet, whatever that looks like. But so I need to, I'm going to have to find that meaning making in some other places because it's not going to be through the job. And that's really exciting. And it's also a little bit scary. You know, I mean, I've had that thing in my life where it's like, OK, this is this adds value to who I am and some of that. And I'm I'm removing that, which I think is healthy because I don't think we should be so wrapped up in, you know, having our jobs define us. And it's scary as hell. Like, I mean, that's yeah. the it's healthy and scary. Both. Right. Yeah, because you're, yeah, travel does a lot of, especially in the way that you've done and now you've come back and now a lot of things are changing and me think you, the, the phrase you said was just live differently. And I mean, that's, that can be a lot of things, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, sort of travel was a big part of your life, but it's, it's turned into so much more being minimal and living differently is a, is, you know, two words, but a big, pretty big statement right like, like hey i'm gonna make a lot of different changes and i don't know where they're gonna go but it's so hard to track your own changes your own evolutions your own your own way of i mean you look you look in the mirror and you see you know uh, you see a face that's the same but is getting older of course but i'm not talking about you specifically i'm talking about you as humanity it's hard to step back and understand like sometimes how much you've changed in periods of time because it just happens it's like watching my kid grow. It's like I, it, I'm, it's ha- I'm seeing it right in front of me every day. But then I'm like, all of a sudden, how did you get so tall? You know? <laughs> right, right. It's crazy. And I think like yeah. we're so close to ourselves, it's hard to pick up on like sometimes how much we have changed. Yeah, and you know, wherever I'm at in my own development, my latest development is just what I'm eyes deep in, and so it just feels like the normal. And it's like, oh wait, that's a pretty big shift, you know, or you get the response from others of either, wow, I can't believe you're doing that. That's so cool. Or what the hell are you doing? You're, you know, this, how could you step out of there or whatever? And that kind of jogs it like, oh, this is really, this is different. It's a big step, you know? And so it, it causes you to reflect and look, but yeah, for me, it's just whatever development I'm having, there's almost a piece of like, well, I mean, everybody must be experiencing something similar. And it's like, no, not necessarily at all. Has this affected your relationship with your home country, the culture there, the the place that you've been living, anything like that? Yeah, you know, I definitely think it has. And um, I, I feel very fortunate to, to have a U.S. passport. I think that grants you a lot of privilege as a traveler. And so I, I feel I feel lucky to have that. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I just our, our current political situation and just how divisive things are. There's a part of me. It's like, I would love to be gone for an extended period of time and just see some different places. And I think, you know, talking about cliches, like the world is a big place and there's just so much to experience in such a short amount of time that we have in this, this one little life we get, you know? And so I do think it's, again, I, I feel very fortunate to be where I'm from and there's so much more out there that I'm not satisfied. The flip side of that is there's also tons of travel I want to and could do in the U.S. I mean, this it's a pretty vast country. And so, you know, I, I really want to continue to do more travel here and explore. And so that's what some of this may look like is more domestic travel as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm super excited to continue to stay in touch and follow along on your journey. And... Um, just 
it's been so interesting to hear how things have ch- changed so much for you since you've been back. <laughs> I'm really quite surprised. Uh, I mean, it's always it's always having a big impact on people. I think when when you go on an extended trip like this, particularly if, like you said. I mean, just to kind of go back to what you said in the beginning of this episode, which was, I guess, months ago, if we're talking that way, that, you know, this is something you had wanted to travel in this way for years. And of course, you know, things happen when they're supposed to, I suppose. And this, this is happening now and all of these changes are happening in your life now. And uh, it's really exciting. I sense a lot of gratitude in you for the things that you do have. Of course, you talked about you know the U.S. passport and things, and all the things that you're you're grateful for. And you you just seem like a super grateful guy. And I'm grateful to know you, and that you took the time to uh, come on and share all of this with everybody listening because it's a uh, you know it's a it's not easy to share in this way sometimes personal life and also uh, being able to see that you know side by side like how kind of it was part way through the trip and, and how things have unfolded afterwards so man i really really truly appreciate it I, I really i'm super grateful for the time we've had to to share and just talk because it's a great way to help me reflect on some of this is to do this conversation with you so i'm really grateful for the space and you know come June when we're at Camp Indy, by then I may just be in the fetal position and be a total wreck. So, you know, I I may have, I may need different support from you then. We'll see. Oh man. Well, (laughs) Hey, you might be the one picking me up from the fetal position. I, (laughs) I can't make any promises, but uh, no, I will certainly be there for you. And um, I, I, I'm sure, sure that you'll be there for me as well. I'm really excited to hang out in person um, and get to do that. And um yeah, just welcome home. Congratulations. Keep us posted. <laughs> I will. I will, for sure. <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens. Like I said, I have a few things in the hopper, so when something comes through, we'll we'll see what's next. Yeah, well, I'm excited to um, be there for you in any way I can. And uh, thanks again for sharing your story. And we will be chatting soon and crossing right. paths soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Uh, have a good one. There you have it. Thank you so very much once again to Lance for stopping by the show and just just laying it all out there. I mean, these transition to travel episodes always inspire me on so many levels, and I hope it did the same for you. And uh, wow, travels uh, travels a big deal, especially if it's something you want to do, of course. But you know, being able to like change your life around and make it happen and then do that and have that experience is uh, just so empowering and comes with so many lessons and obstacles and challenges and there's just so much around it. So that's why I always love talking about the journey before the journey, that transition to travel, and then hearing uh, from individuals how trips went, how it changed them. And certainly a month after a trip, like the time I spoke with Lance, the time of this recording, it's pretty fresh. So, you know, maybe even now, uh, this is recorded some months ago, maybe he's got some new insights from his trip. It's like the gift that keeps on giving travel in in so many ways. Thank you, my friend. I got a few things before you leave. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody here in the community. And of course, I touched on this at the beginning of the show. Uh, I just wanted to share one of my big takeaways from this interview with Lance first 
want to give one more quick thank you to homeexchange.com for supporting today's show. Home Exchange is the number one home exchange platform in the world. So if you're somebody who loves to save money on travel and you value having authentic travel experiences, living like a local and being a part of a thriving community of responsible travelers, this is a service you absolutely need to know about. This is a global community. When you join, you just create a profile, you get instant access to over 400,000 homes. It's free to join and you can start exchanging your home with other people. You don't even have to do it at the same time. They've got a whole point system so you don't have to have the exact dates. Uh, You can earn points for giving up your home for somebody else to stay in and you can use those points to stay in other people's homes. It's really brilliant. Don't worry if you think exchanging your home with a quote-unquote stranger seems risky. Home Exchange, they verify the identity, address, and contact details of all members. So just get on. Check it out. And this is a wonderful way to travel. And you don't have to go far. You know, I know a lot of people aren't traveling right now. There are uh, so many different opportunities and places to go. And accommodations can be so expensive. So why not just exchange your home? with somebody, another family, another couple, whatever, and have a little experience. Go do something different. Check them out, homeexchange.com. It's only $150 a year when you make your first exchange. You don't get charged until you make your first exchange. And you can get 10% off just for being a listener of the show by typing in the promo code 010. 010 is that promo code. Gives you 10% off their annual fee. Thank you once again to Home Exchange for supporting today's show. Hope to see you on that platform. Now, quick shout out to Fran, who wrote me an email. She said, "Uh, thank you so much for the last episode you sent our way. One of the things, and probably the most prominent one, I have been dealing with since coming back home because of COVID has been anxiety, even though I know I am not the only one to go through it, it is still disheartening. This is not the first time I've dealt with it, but I have amassed a whole arsenal of tricks, tips, and exercises over the last years to overcome trickier days, much like your guest, Gilad. And uh, she said, thank you to both of you uh, for reminding us that we hold the answer to our problems We only need to dig deep and find it within ourselves. She goes on to say, uh, have a wonderful weekend. I am packing to spend a couple of days in the mountains and sleep inside an old windmill turned Airbnb. Life is crazy wonderful, man. Signed, Fran from Portugal. Thanks, Fran from Portugal. And uh, enjoy your time sleeping in the old windmill. See, this is what I love. I love to hear from you all in this community. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm recording this, I'm in this room by myself in my co-working space, but then I get emails like this and I get to think about somebody listening to the show who's, uh, you know, sleeping in an old windmill tonight. I mean, these stories make my day. Hear from you guys, um, be able to share this with you all. So please write me an email, jason at zero to travel.com. You know what? Don't write me an email. Why don't you send me an audio message? You all have smartphones now. I've been begging for these audio messages. Open up the audio app, record a message and email it to me. I just got one from Megan in Boston. I'm going to be sharing in a future episode. Uh, if you want to maybe hear yourself on this podcast, just share share a little tip, share some insights, just uh, say hi, open up that audio app and, and share something. You can email it to me, jason at zero to travel.com. It's so easy. I mean, it's easier than writing an email. Uh, all you got to do is talk. Well, I guess I like to talk, but I guess that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> anyway, let's see. Before we let you go, I'm going to have a quote too. But just a little insight that I got from this interview with Lance. One of the things I was thinking about is the fact that we can reinvent ourselves 
any time. And all it takes is the courage to just close one chapter and open a new one up. That's it. And I think that can be as exciting as travel because you're going on a trip that you don't really know what to expect from. And anytime you close a new uh, a chapter and open up a new one in your life, you are in a way starting a new journey, um, whether it's small or big. And, and, and I guess there are different sized chapters you can open up, you know, may, maybe like getting married or something like that. It's a, a big chapter in the book, but there are all these little chapters we can uh, kind of close and open as well. So don't ever be afraid to uh, just open up a new chapter. If a chapter isn't serving you, close it down, get a new one going. No, I just love this idea and this is empowering. I I share these messages on the podcast uh, not to uh, preach to you, but these are like reminders for myself and this is what I got out of this interview. Oh, wow. I can just reinvent myself or any part of myself whenever I want if I just choose to do that. Um, And I have done that recently and uh, I will continue to do that. You know, if something's not serving you anymore because you've changed as an individual, then... um, Embrace that change and just close a chapter that's not serving you anymore and open a new one. It's that easy. I mean, uh, in principle, of course, there can be some more complicated things around that. But the intention behind that, the idea behind that can make it easy to do, at least to get easier to get started, I would say. So anyway, for what it's worth, I'm not sure how this is hitting your ears, but uh, I just wanted to share that with you. And I'm going to leave you with a quote I found Uh, the other day that I forgot about, I was actually writing a letter to my children, which is something I started doing just in like a Google Drive. But I like to write letters. Uh, I I have been known to get the old pad out, good old fashioned pen, not like one of those quill pens with the, you know, with a bird feather, but like an actual pen. And, uh, you know, if you haven't written a letter to somebody, maybe some of you have never written a letter to somebody sent it in the mail. You know how awesome it is? How would you like to get a letter in the mail like that somebody wrote to you? Just write a letter to one of your best friends and tell them how much they matter to you. If you're feeling lonely, you know, of this pandemic and all this crazy stuff going on, pick up a pen and write a letter. Write a letter to your parents, one of your siblings, one of your friends. Uh, it's just such a wonderful gift to give somebody and yourself because you get to kind of put out on paper how much they mean to you. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be all serious. I mean, you can make some jokes, of course, and, and be light about it. But also tell them how much uh, they mean to you. It's a good feeling. So uh, anyway, I was writing a letter to my children because, I mean, who knows what the hell can happen at any given moment. Want to have a few things to leave behind. If Maybe they're listening to this podcast one day in the future. Who knows? Anyway, I was looking for a quote to add to this letter, a couple quotes, and I found them. And uh, they're two on comparison. Because you never want to compare yourself to anybody, right? There are a lot of people doing a lot of awesome things out there. And if you start comparing yourself to people, it's just, it's just a, a trap, which is why Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. It's well said. And the last one from Ianla von Zant, who said, comparison is an act of violence against the self. packed a lot into that episode, didn't we? Have a wonderful day. Wherever you're at in the world. Peace and love. I'll see you next time. Cheers. 
This podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.